Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Russell Wilson with the contract that he signed coming here as the franchise quarterback. We can at least say this, John. He's got work to do to earn that respect, right? He, you can't just come over here and, and carry that respect with you. He's got to earn it. And, and like you said, I, I, I'm so glad you said it because I put it in my own notes. Like, I promise you players like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or some of these guys would not have let Purcell do that. This is why there's a reason you don't see it. Like, if Purcell did that to Tom Brady, he would have told him to go, go F himself. He would have flipped out. And Russell just sat there and nodded. He's like, yep, okay, sorry. Whoa. Now we have Broncos players lashing out at Russell Wilson during games. What's going on behind closed doors? And are the Broncos, are they the worst team in football right now? These are topics we're going to get into throughout the program. But first and foremost, it's the Broncos Wire podcast. Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined by John Heath. John is the managing editor of USA Today's Broncos Wire. Always enjoy jumping on here with John, even though the Broncos aren't giving us much. We're still here. I'm still excited to talk to you every week, John. I hope you're doing well. How was your Thanksgiving weekend, my man? It was really fun. It was great. You know, great family, great food, and great football, both American football and World Cup football. So that was really enjoyable time. You have a good Thanksgiving, Ryan? I did. My dad, we always go to my dad's house. It's always wild. He has like a kegerator. So there's always kegs at my dad's house. It's like draft beer in his kitchen. I know that probably sounds ridiculous, but uh, that's what it is. And the whole family was there. My brother was in from Austin, Texas. So I got to see my niece, who is like a month younger than my son. My son's like 14 months old. So my niece and my son are like basically the same age. It's kind of great. So we got to get the babies together. It was all good. And then on Thursday night, we're all Patriots fans over here. So we were all uh, really getting into the the Vikings Pats game, yelling at the TV like drunken fools. Um, and so it was it was great. No, I enjoyed every second of it. And uh, now it's but it does seem like a while ago. Thanksgiving does. And I know it seems like a while ago for you, too, John, because you're so you're you you and your family are so into the World Cup that you're just completely invested in like you're right. You're watching uh, our, the Argentina game right now as we speak, right? Yeah, I'm getting way, way too ahead of myself because the U.S. is going to play Netherlands in the round of 16. And like we have to take that seriously because Netherlands is a good team and there's no guarantee the U.S. will beat them. But if the U.S. did beat them, if Argentina does not win today, the U.S. would not play Argentina in the uh, semifinal and make the U.S. bracket way easier because they'd play either Poland or Australia, who would be beatable teams, whereas Argentina is one of the best in the world. So I'm getting way, way too far ahead of myself, which I shouldn't do because we always talk about in sports, you know, take it one game at a time, take everyone seriously. But I just I can't help myself. And we talked about it before the show when the Broncos are so bad, like I already love soccer, love the national team. And then when the Broncos are bad, you just you have a lot of sports energy that's able to be dumped into something else because it's not really going into the Broncos right now like it could be. Yeah, 100%. And why? Because one of the top questions that we're going to be trying to answer here is off the top of the show is are, are the Broncos the worst team in football, right? And I think 
they're in the conversation, John, because I don't care what your record is. If you can't score 15 points a game in today's NFL, you might be the worst team in football, right? The Broncos are 14.3 points per game right now on offense. 14.3. Worst in the NFL since 2018 when the Cardinals averaged 14.1 points over 16 games. Do you remember, John? Here's some trivia for you. Random sports trivia. Do you remember who played quarterback for the Cardinals in 2018 when they averaged 14.1 points per game? No, I do not. I'm guessing someone random like uh, once in Josh Rosen. You nailed it. it. You nailed it. Good for you, John. You're so good. So Sam Bradford opened the year as QB1 and then was replaced by, you just, you just nailed it, Josh Rosen. And the Cardinals went 13-3 and three that year, and they ended up drafting Kyler Murray number one overall in the 2019 NFL draft, right? The, the Broncos, of course, don't have that luxury because the Seahawks no. have the first-round pick. That's probably going to end up in the top five, probably the top three, something in there. So, so that's what we're talking about, right, John? The Broncos don't even have the luxury of being the worst team in the NFL. But what answer the question for me? Do you do you think they are the worst team in the NFL right now? Yeah, I I think there's a couple contenders because the Broncos are three and eight, the Bears are three and nine. So the Bear, because of the way the bye worked out, the Bears have one more loss. But I still I still take the Bears over the Broncos in part because they have Justin Fields. So you at least know like he's looking good right now. So you or at least like he's making progress. He's got a promising future in the NFL. The Bears will be okay. And then the Rams are three and eight like the Broncos. But even though the Rams are such a struggle bus this year after winning the Super Bowl, I still take them over Denver. They have Cooper Cup. They have guys. And like Matthew Stafford, if he is falling off a cliff, it's possible to get out of his contract if they need to. And the Broncos, they can't really do that same thing with Russell Wilson. And then the Jaguars, they're four and seven. And yeah, the Broncos beat them in London, but the Jaguars just upset the Ravens. And I don't think the Broncos are going to do that this week. And again, the Jaguars, they have Trevor Lawrence. The Broncos, we don't have Trevor Lawrence. So I, I take the Jags or the Broncos too. The only team that I think is in contention is the Texans because they're one, nine and one, and the Broncos beat them earlier this year. And if they play the Broncos right now, I think the Broncos could beat the Texans. They don't have a quarterback. They just benched Davis Mills, but only because the Texans are an absolute train wreck. That's the only reason I say the Broncos are the 31st worst team in the NFL, which is still nothing to be proud about. Still, like It's just so awful. At the beginning of the year, we had playoff expectations, maybe even make some noise in the playoffs. And now we're debating, you know, are they worst or are they the second worst in the NFL? So it's it's tough times in Broncos country. It's painful. It's straight pain, John. That's what it is. And uh, yeah, hearing you talk it through, it seems like the common denominator with the Bears, Jags, and I'll even include the Rams in this, is that they all have the quarterback. They all have the quarterback. Yeah. So you're so they have at least a quarterback that you can rely on going forward. The Texans are the only team that don't, that don't, and that's the one team you're putting the Broncos over. So, and the Texans have the first overall pick in the draft, there you and go. we don't have our fourth right. overall or whatever. Right, it, which is which is the source of the pain right there. <laughs> it is the source of the <laughs> yeah. pain, and it's just like maybe the Broncos would be right with the Texans there record wise if the defense wasn't so good, right, John? But the defense is so good that the Broncos have uh, been able to win some games without scoring a lot of points. But uh, one. Topic, not not only like are the Broncos the worst team in the NFL, I think we could just clarify that they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. And that's why we're so we're all agonizing over here uh, in Broncos country is agonizing and just maybe getting disinterested with the product and with the team, which is kind of tough. But the trade too, right? You look back at the trade because that first round pick, John, is going to be so valuable. Top five, top three. Like, oh, 
that one, right? When you when you when you look at the massive trade that brought Russell Wilson to Denver, that includes the first and second round picks in 2023 and 2024, on top of the all the players and the draft pick swaps and all of it, right? But those top two picks uh, next year and in 2024, which, that wasn't supposed to be a top five pick, right? It was supposed yeah. to be in somewhere in the 20s, hopefully the late 20s, early 30s, was not yeah. supposed to be in the top five. And that's why it's just oh pain, right? That's being a Broncos fan right now. Just straight up root canal, excruciating pain, right? And I've seen the topic on the morning talk shows like on ESPN, NFL Network, whatever you're, you're, you pick your poison there. Was it the worst trade in NFL history? And I'm not smart enough to answer that one, John. Right now, though, that it, it feels like that question at least has some merit because of the way Wilson is playing, the way the offense is performing, and the fact that, again, this first-round pick was not supposed to be in the top three, which is where it might end up with the, the slate the Broncos have to finish the season. They're not going to win a lot of games, John. So it brings us to Wilson, right? It brings us to Wilson and just what we're seeing and why it's not right and maybe we could start with the the Mike Purcell thing right the the Broncos have clearly downplayed that um but it, it downplayed the incident I should say but it's a, it was a clear as day shot on the broadcast of Mike Purcell getting in Russell Wilson's face and uh you, you everybody saw it right John and, and that just kind of shows you where the team is at you have to start to wonder wow it, not only is Russell Wilson not playing well not only is the offense not performing but now you have guys just like blatantly showing up their quarterback and really not taking on. He's not he's not bringing the leadership we thought he was bringing as a Super Bowl winning franchise quarterback. Right. So this is all very concerning. But what, give me your take on the Purcell Russell Wilson situation. Yeah. Like you said, they downplayed it. And they're like Purcell was saying, you know, let's F and go just like trying to get a spark. And, and it's like, yeah, OK, sure. Maybe that's really what he's saying. Maybe he's just saying, like, let's F and go to Russell Wilson. But like. Does Mike Purcell, when Peyton Manning is your quarterback, does Mike Purcell say that to Peyton Manning? No, no because no. Pey- even as last year, Peyton Manning's at least competent. Like even though his arm wasn't there and he was struggling, Peyton Manning was competent, and you knew you could count on him. Like even the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning did not have an arm in the Super Bowl, but he was good enough. He could he'd get the Broncos in the right play. He'd get them in the right. Uh, running play, you know, that clutch two-point conversion throw there at the end. Like Russell Wilson, he's been anti-clutch at times this season, like when, missing K.J. Hamler, missing other guys wide open. Like, yeah, okay, maybe saying something like that, it's not, it's not like he went over to him and was like, you suck, Russell, I hate you, Russell. Like, that's not what happened. But just the fact that he had to be like, hey, man, like, I'm totally changing what he said, but my interpretation of it is, hey, man, you're not good enough. The offense isn't good enough. You guys got to pick it up. Let's go pick it up. That like I'm putting words in his mouth, but that's what I inferred. What's let's f and go to yep. your quarterback yep. means like you guys got to pick it up. The offense got to pick it up. You know us defense. We've been keeping you in games week after week. You're not doing enough. It's time to pick it up, and that's just a sign like of the frustration. Purcell even himself. He downplayed a little bit, but he even said it's frustration. It's the frustration coming out because Wilson hasn't been good enough. The offense hasn't been good enough. And it's I think it's starting to fracture the team a little bit. It may not be as bad as some people have made out to be like some some of the radio shows are talking about the locker room being split and everyone hating Russell Wilson. I don't know that it's that bad, but this is a sign that, you know, guys are frustrated. And of course, you're going to expect them to be frustrated. And this is just a physical. a physical demonstration of seeing that come out. Yeah, I agree with you, John. I think, you know, 
we don't want to go overboard with it, but I think you know talking about the fracture, the potential fracture, is there. And I, and I don't know if it's like, oh, we hate we hate you, Russell Wilson. We don't believe in you. But I just think like, think about it, right? Think about it. How can you not wonder what guys are are saying to each other when the cameras are not around? Like like this Purcell situation with Russell Wilson was right in front of the camera. The only guy who didn't see it was Nathaniel Hackett somehow, right? Who was standing right freaking there. He's the only one who missed it. Everybody else saw it. Nathaniel Hackett was just oblivious, I guess, to the whole thing, which is just mind-boggling. But how can you not like think about it? The guys, what are they saying to each other when the cameras aren't on them? You know, broadcasting it to all of us, right? From the head coach who's clearly in over his head. To the quarterback who continues to like market himself on social media, John, at least from his media team, as you've written about on Broncos Wire, like he's Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes, when in reality, how's he performing? Kind of like Josh Rosen in 2018, right? Like that's kind of how the performance has been. And we've seen examples of it. Like I feel like the fracture is real. Like you mentioned the KJ Hamler play, but what happened right after that? The helmet spike and the stare down at Russell Wilson, right? That was directed at his quarterback. At the end of the Colts yeah. game, that helmet spike, and we talked about it. I said, you're showing up your quarterback there. That's not a good sign. And then we had that great uh, meme or gif or whatever you call it of Melvin Gordon looking at Russell Wilson in, di- <laughs> yeah. in disbelief. We had that one. Now we have Purcell unable to uh, hold in his frustrations, doing it in clear sight as the Broncos and their quarterback struggle to do anything against uh, a Panthers team that I thought they were trying to tank when they fired Matt Rule, but apparently they're going to try to win the NFC South now. Because they're right there. What the hell's going on there? <laughs> so it does feel like Russell Wilson with the contract that he signed coming here as the franchise quarterback. We can at least say this, John. He's got work to do to earn that respect, right? He, he can't just come over here and, and he carry that respect with you. He's got to earn it. And, and like you said, I, I, I'm so glad you said it because I put it in my own notes. Like, I promise you players like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or some of these guys would not have let Purcell do that. This is why there's a reason you don't see it. Like if Purcell did that to Tom Brady, he would have told him to go go f himself. He would have flipped out. And Russell just sat there and nodded. He's like, "Yep, okay, sorry, whoa, easy, big boy." And, you know what I mean? So I think the the fracture is real. And I think it's it's a respect thing because you don't do that yes. to Tom Brady. You don't do that, Peyton. Because even though they have some rough games, like Tom Brady, he's had his rough games. Peyton Manning, he's had his rough games. But you know, over the course of the season, you know, the body of the work, you know, he's going to do what it takes. You know, he's going to figure things out. You know, he's going to get the offense on track. Russell Wilson, like you said, he comes in before he even plays it down. He gets this massive contract. And you were talking about, is it the worst trade in NFL history? I don't know. Because like you said, I haven't looked like detailed every bad trade that's ever happened. But just it's compounded by the fact that, like you said, Seattle's going to get a really high pick, maybe even like third or second overall from Denver. And then make it even worse, Denver has crippled themselves for at least a year or two, maybe even three, four years. Like it's going to be hard. They can't make splash free agent signings if they cut Russell Wilson and eat a ton of dead cap. And if he doesn't turn things around, then you're kind of stuck with him with this huge, huge cap hit. And so he comes in, he gets this massive contract, and then there's no results. And like you said, the social media stuff, the personality, it might rub people the wrong way a little bit if there's no results. Like if the Broncos are winning, who cares what Russell Wilson posts on social media? And if the Broncos are winning, who cares if he gives the cliche quotes over and over and do whatever you want as long as you get results. But he hasn't got results. And now it's starting to – reach a boiling point not just fans it seems like players too like you're saying we, we only saw one outward example of it but it does seem fair enough like you're saying to connect the dots 
people are frustrated. I don't think uh, everybody's best friends with Russell Wilson right now in Denver. So, I mean, it's struggling. He's got to he's got to show some improvement because this is just it's a visible demonstration of the frustration boiling over. Hearing you talk, John, is the real blunder. Now, we have the benefit of hindsight, obviously, which is a fun thing about doing a talk show and a podcast, right? <laughs> um, but is the real was the real blunder by George Payton or the new ownership or whoever you want to throw in the crosshairs there? Was the real blunder giving him the contract before we saw him play it down in a Broncos uniform? Or is that always part of the deal? You know what I mean? And, and maybe we're just guessing here. But I, I think, you know, when they gave him the big contract, I don't think people were really ripping the Broncos at the time. Like, it's hard for me, like, to come on here and be like, oh, man, what were, I can't believe the Broncos gave him that freaking contract. Look, look how bad he is. Because none of us were saying that when he signed it, right? But now, with the benefit of hindsight, we're looking back and being like, man, what a massive mistake. You're setting the franchise back, giving this bad quarterback this huge contract. Well, I mean, is it fair to look back and say, maybe we should have taken a little bit of a slower approach to this and actually saw it first? But then again, maybe that was never the the plan, right? When if I don't know if Russell did he like wave a no trade or something to come here? Like, I don't know. Maybe it was never part of the deal. You know, you know what I'm saying, John? Yeah, like you're saying, in hindsight, we're like, yeah, of course they never should have given him an extension without seeing him play because they had two years left. In theory, he could have played this year, and then the off season you give him an extension before the final year of his contract, or if it's awful like he's been, then you don't give him an extension. So in theory, yeah, they never should have given it to him. But I think, like you're saying, I don't think it really was an option because Wilson – the Seahawks had given him permission to seek a trade. So I think Wilson and his agent, they were talking to teams, they're talking to the Broncos. So I think probably from the very start, the trade is made with the understanding, hey, we're going to trade for you. Then we're going to give you this big contract, kind of like almost like a free agency deal. It's not free agency because you have to work with another team to do the trade. But I feel like it was that kind of a thing where it was just kind of part of the thing like we're trading for him we're signing for we're signing him we're going all in on this quarterback it was kind of like a a group thing it wasn't just like okay we made this trade now you know a year down the road we'll see where it goes and we'll see if we're gonna it was it was no it was okay we're all in on russell wilson he's our guy now we're giving him extension and wilson like you said maybe he wouldn't have agreed to a trade to denver if his agent hadn't talked to the team and been like, Hey, are you going to give him an extension? And maybe they didn't have the exact terms quite down, but they're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're going to trade for him. We're going to give him an extension. I assume that's the way it went down. So like you're saying, hindsight's 2020, but I don't think it really necessarily was an option not to sign him. I really do enjoy operating in hindsight, John. It's, it's a fun, it's a fun place (laughs) to be. You can really rip on people when you're operating in hindsight. Uh, So we're going to continue the conversation here coming up next is the Russell Wilson situation. We know he's not right. Is it broken beyond repair though? You know, is this, is this what we have? Like, is there no hope that it's going to get better? We'll, we'll continue the conversation here coming up next, but first let's get some fantasy advice real quick from the huddle.com. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini here with the huddle.com to bring you strong plays for week number 13 quarterback Mike White at Minnesota Vikings. White took over for Zach Wilson last week and proved to be the right decision with 315 yards and three touchdown strikes. On the year, Minnesota ranks as the fourth weakest defense versus quarterbacks and six managed 23 plus fantasy points against Minnesota. Five quarterbacks have thrown multiple touchdown passes versus this defense and they've all come in the last six weeks. 
As the Jets look to keep pace, White likely will be asked to throw all day long in this one. Seattle Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker at Los Angeles Rams. Walker's two-touchdown showing versus the Raiders was overshadowed by a career day from Josh Jacobs. The rookie back has averaged fewer than two yards per carry in consecutive games, however. Against the Rams, running backs have averaged the eighth fewest rushing yards per game, but the eighth highest scoring frequency on the ground since week seven. Don't be scared off by the name value of the Rams' defense. It's a stellar matchup for aerial success, too, which ups Walker's value just a nudge. New England Patriots wide receiver Jacoby Myers versus the Buffalo Bills. Myers has no more than 62 yards in any of the last six contests, and he hasn't scored in three straight. Mr. Consistent has exactly 9.2 or 9.4 PPR points in three straight games, though. That's a pretty nice floor. Buffalo has given up huge numbers to the position of late, and we've seen seven wideouts go for double-digit PPR returns since Week 7. All but one were good for 16-plus PPR points, and this matchup is 47% better than average over the last three games. Myers should be a strong PPR wide receiver 3. Los Angeles Chargers tight end Gerald Everett versus the Las Vegas Raiders. After missing a week with a groin injury, Everett returned to catch all four of his targets, but he managed a laughable 18 total yards. He hasn't scored in six straight games, but is a pretty good play against a Raiders defense that has given up neutral stats for receptions and yardage in the last five weeks. On the year, this is a top seven matchup in PPR scoring, and Everett contributed three catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown in the week one contest. And that's the aim here. Gamble on him for a touchdown. He's a pretty decent play overall. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, John, we teased this question right before the break, but I'm going to give it to you again here. Russell Wilson is, is obviously it's broken, right? It's not working. Is it broken beyond repair, though, right? Because we're just seeing stuff that we didn't expect from him. Uh, we didn't expect this to, to continue to... The struggles early, early in the year, we were like, okay, fine. Uh, but now that we're beyond Thanksgiving and <laughs> this is still happening and we're losing a game against Carolina, are you serious? <laughs> like, it's just so bad, right? So... We're in a spot that we just didn't think that we would be. And now we have to, we literally have like analysts and Broncos fans looking for an escape route already from Russell Wilson. It's like, wait, wait, is that really the play here? Right. Are we really looking to escape as soon as possible from this player? Or is it going to get better? Right. What do you think? What's your gut reaction on that, on that topic? Yeah, I think for a lot of the season, I've been very delusional and keep thinking, you know, with more time, you yeah. know, with just Wilson getting more comfortable with the receivers coming back and stuff, you know, he's going to get better. He like I watched a lot of Seahawks last year and he was he had a little bit of a down year last year, but it was not this level. He was not this bad 
this year or last year as he is this season. So I've just been thinking all season, like at some point it's going to get a little bit better because he can't just overnight fall off a cliff that bad. And I think I've been delusional because it's, it's been this way for so long. I don't think it's changing this season. And I, I think like I'm going to play the, be on the fence a little bit, I guess, kind of cheat with my answer because I don't think he's fixable with this coaching staff. And I think next year, if they get in a new coaching staff and tailor the offense completely to his strengths and, you know, hide his weaknesses, I don't think that he's ever going to be the quarterback that he was. I don't think he's going to return to that elite level, but I think it can be better than this season. Cause I think, yeah, Wilson, he's not playing well, but I also think they're not playing well enough to his strengths. Like, put him under center, have him do some bootlegs, have him do some rollouts. Get like, And I don't know if it's Wilson because he wants to be a pocket quarterback or if it's Hackett's offense, he wants his quarterback to be a pocket quarterback. But when he just sits in the pocket, we saw against the Panthers, the defensive linemen, they stand there, they keep him in the pocket, they keep him contained, then they put their hands up and they bat down the ball. And when Wilson, when he's mobile, running, you know, getting four or five yards and sliding, we'll take that. That's positive yards. Take that every time. When he's mobile, running, rolls out, finds a tight end in the slot, and he has a perfectly clear vis- field of view because there's no offensive lineman, no defensive lineman, he, he can make good plays doing that. So I think they got to get him moving around and just kind of hide his weaknesses a little bit, play to his strengths, and I don't think they've done that. So I think with a new coaching staff, maybe he can be competent and, you know, maybe the Broncos cannot be three and eight. Maybe they could be more like a 500 team or try to be better than a 500 team this year. They're just a mess. We're talking about them being the worst team in the NFL. And a lot of it does fall on Wilson, but I don't think it's solely on him. So kind of answering it, like I said, I'm kind of cheating with the question, but I think he's fixable to the extent that he can be better than he is right now. But I don't think he's fixable to the extent that we're going to see the guy that he used to be when he was younger and just such a good, exciting quarterback. I don't think he's ever getting to that. So broken round repair, not necessarily, but broken to the extent he's never going to be the guy he was. Yes. If if that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. So you're saying that the Broncos got a Russell Wilson that they thought was in his prime, but maybe he's past it. Maybe he's past his prime. And that means they made a mistake giving him that contract, John, in that trade, right? That's, I mean, maybe they misevaluated this. Um, is that a word? Misevaluated? I don't know. But uh, yeah, if he's past his prime and we don't think we can win uh, with him as the quarterback, can we win a Super Bowl with Wilson? Do you think he's still Super Bowl level? I mean, I think if you get a good defense, if Javante Williams is healthy, which is a huge if, if Tim Patrick is healthy, if Cortland Pat, if Cortland Sutton is healthy, and if Russell Wilson is competent and you tailor your offense to do what he does well, like anything can happen. You just need him to be competent. And I, like I said, I don't think he fell off a cliff overnight to be so bad to not even be able to go back to being a competent quarterback. Yeah. Like it, it's been so awful. I, I, I think, again, maybe I'm being delusional, but I just think he can't be that bad. I, I think it's partly scheme. Like, he hasn't been good enough himself, but I think they can put pieces around him, you know, put a better offensive line in front of him. That would help, too, because I do think he's been getting rattled and getting shaken up from his hits and stuff. I think that makes him a little nervy, and I think that affects the way he plays. So I think if the circumstances around him are better, I think he can be a competent quarterback. I think if he's competent, you know, the Broncos can win some games. But we can't. I think the ship has sailed. We got it. We can't think of him as like an MVP candidate. Like there really right, were some people right. this offseason saying Russell Wilson was an MVP candidate, going to be QB one fantasy football and stuff. Like 
we're well past all that. Everybody knows we're well past all that, but we we can't even have any daydreams of him being a star quarterback. We just got to think, you know, can we put an offense around him, put players around him and a scheme and coaches around him to make him good enough that we can win with him? That's, I think, what we got to see this offseason. I, at this point, I'm just assuming Nathaniel Hackett is out at the end of the year. Definitely. And then it's just a matter if if they're not going to try to move on from Wilson and just try to make it work with a ton of dead cap, if they're going to stick with Wilson, you've got to try to bring in a coach that you think is going to get the best out of him and kind of salvage him. Yeah, I mean, moving on from Hackett is almost 100% at this point, right, John? It's like in the high 90s, I think, that they're going to move on from this coach at the end of the year. Rightfully so. They have to. They have to move on from him and hope that, as you're saying, the Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett thing is just like, the round hole, the square peg, like it just doesn't match. They just can't get it to work. They're just not the right combination. Fine. Love you. Mean it. Goodbye, Nathaniel Hackett. We're going to try with somebody else in Russell Wilson. We're going to try to find somebody who can convince our hiring committee that they can make it work with Russell because we have signed him to this ridiculous contract. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, but there's the other, there are, there are people that are trying to look for the escape route, as I said. And um, can you move on from Russell Wilson as well? Uh, so there's this Zach Seegers, on Twitter. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but it's S E G A R S. If you want to find him, Zach Seegers on Twitter, Zach underscore Seegers. He tweeted that if the Broncos cut Darby, Glasgow, Edmonds, Martin, Albert O, OJ, who's OJ, John? OJ? Uh, Michael OJ Moody. Oh, OJ Moody. Okay. Yeah, trying to save the Twitter characters there. Uh, OJ Moody, Cush, and McManus, and restructure Sutton. Patrick, DJ, and Bowles, they could cut Russell Wilson this offseason as a post-June 1st designation and still have more than $70 million in available cap space. It's possible. All right, now there's a whole thread he goes into about how you can make this work, and it's just like, oh my God, Zach, I already have the popsicle headache. Like, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure we could do this, but that seems like a lot of work, John, to get out of this contract. I think the most reasonable and logical thing to do is to say there's no way he's this bad. There's no way. It's just not working with Hackett. Whatever they're trying to do on offense, it's not working. We have to find a coaching staff. Should we go find... Who was it? Was it Schottenheimer? Who, who the hell was working with Russell Wilson back in the day? I don't, I don't care. We got to find somebody, recreate those days, in, that magic in Seattle, and figure it out. Right? We got we to figure it out with Wilson. I don't think trying to get out of his contract and cut him this offseason is the answer. I really don't. I really don't see the Broncos doing that, but I do see them moving on from Hackett. I think that is the most logical approach. I don't think, you know, again, we're going to cut one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We're going to cut eight players, John, and then restructure four more just to cut Russell Wilson. It's like, wow, that's a lot, that seems like a lot of work. And I can't wrap my head around that, John. So we just got to get rid of Hackett and bring in a competent coach that can make it work. And I, I still have faith that that can happen in 2023. Not that I think the Broncos are going to contend in the in the division or anything. Just that it's better and gives us more hope going forward. Yeah, uh, like you said, shout out to Zach. He writes for Mile High Sports and he does a good job for doing all that, you know, breaking all that down, how it's possible. But I'm with you that, it, yeah, like it's possible, but do you really need to do that? Do we have to part ways with all these guys and, you know, restructure all these guys? And like maybe, you know, like I said, are we not going to be able to extend our young guys right now that are coming up that are going to deserve contract extensions just to make cutting Russell Wilson work? Are we going to part ways with these guys, let them walk in free agency? So I think it's tough. Like I'm with you that for just 
these next like two years, you just got to eat this and you just got to try to make it work with him. And if in two years, three years from now, it's just been a calamity by that point, you're going to have draft picks again. So in (laughs) theory, like if the next two, three years are absolutely awful, hopefully there's a good QB at the top of the draft that they can draft a QB and just start over. And if it comes to that, it comes to that. And you don't have to necessarily part ways with your, you know, Pat Sertan. He's going to need a massive extension in two, three years. And if uh, you don't have this huge dead cap hole, you know, it makes it easier to sign guys like him. So I, I'm not saying that it's Pat Sertan versus Russell Wilson, but I just think it's tough to make all that dead money work. You're just better off trying to make, you know, make Russell Wilson competent, like I said. Yep, I agree. Yeah. And it's just so it's just so painful so painful as we've talked about john it's like the first round pick we do have next year is the 49ers and they seem like they're heading towards a, the super bowl right they're heading one <laughs> direction and meanwhile our pick we don't even have and we're just heading towards the the dumpster and it's just the, the that that arc right they're they're pulling in different directions and in the middle are just broncos it's broncos country just getting completely twisted up in a pretzel and just throwing their hands in the air and saying screw this right so it is it is painful uh, but we we soldier on here on the Broncos Wire podcast and continue, John, each week. Uh, one thing that's kind of funny. So I'm looking at these tweets by Zach, uh, as we were just talking about with the, you know, escaping, the finding the escape route from Wilson. And I'm seeing that trending on Twitter are two names, Russell Wilson and Melvin Gordon. <laughs> so those teams are those names are currently trending on my Twitter, along with the World Cup. How's Argentina doing, John? Is that game final? They're up to nothing. So, uh, like I said, I got too far ahead of myself. Yep. I shouldn't have done that. We just got to focus on the Netherlands. Yep. yep, that one's that one's gone. All right. So, Melvin Gordon, why the hell is he trending? Well, it's because he is signed with the Chiefs, right? And the Broncos. Oh, in this dismal season, John, they still have two games with the Chiefs left, right? So, that should be good. Are you ready for Melvin Gordon to score like seven touchdowns in those two games or something? Like, you yeah. know, that's coming. Yeah, it's it's going one of two ways. Either he's going to run over the Broncos and get a couple touchdowns, like you said, or he's going to fumble he's against fumble. the Broncos. But just I'm going with that the would be perfect. But just the way this Denver season is gone, you know, he's just he's going to run over them and he's going to hang on to the ball. Like maybe he'll fumble in other Chiefs games, but you know, against the Broncos, he's going to have a perfect game. You can just see it coming. Yeah, for sure. So we'll be watching. We'll be rooting for Melvin Gordon to fumble so we can pick on him. And I, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I think Melvin's fine. He's a fine. He was kind of funny on his way out of Broncos country. He didn't he didn't fire any parting shots or anything. It was fine. So I, I wish him nothing but the best, but it would be kind of hilarious if he fumbles against the Broncos. And there's a couple of chances for him to do that. Uh, but this is usually the part of the show, John. It's at the end where we talk about the next matchup and we make a, a, a bet. You know, uh, Tipico is a kind of a partner with our shows and uh, we get our our odds from the Tipico Sportsbook. Typically, we talk about the next next matchup, but the next matchup is against the Ravens, as you mentioned earlier. And one before we like get into this matchup too too heavily, John, you put one line in our show notes that kind of has stuck with me. So I just want to throw this line at you instead of breaking down Broncos Ravens. You wrote, "Unfortunately, I don't think Broncos fans even care at this point." So before we waste our time breaking this one down, tell me what you mean by that line. It's just like I kind of talked about it last week. People are just tuned out. Like even if the Broncos somehow upset the Ravens, they'd still be four and eight. They'd still be in a hole. But I don't like sometimes 
you you know you love the team and and there are there are a lot of fans like this so I shouldn't make a sweeping statement there are still a lot of fans that love the team and are going to watch them no matter what you want to see them pull off an upset even if it's a lost season like yeah we're going to upset the Ravens and that would be cool and the Jaguars just did it maybe we can do it too but I think that most Broncos fans you know Broncos fans that are realistic I don't think they even have any hope of that and I think they also just They don't even care that, you know, it's a hypothetical possibility just because the season is so lost. The future of the team looks so lost because you've got a terrible coach that it seems like is not going to be sticking around. You've got a quarterback that's struggling so much and he's handicapped the team with this with the salary cap situation. So I I think fans are just kind of tuned out. And a, a lot of fans, I think, probably aren't even tuning into the games. This is a road game. But when they come back home, I think there's going to be a lot of no shows. And like I said, I shouldn't paint a broad brush because there are still I mean there the Broncos have a ton of diehard fans and there are a lot of fans that will tune in no matter what and will support the team no matter what but I think there's a a level there's a certain amount of Broncos fans that are just they're going to tune out of this season and I think the Broncos have I've already lost them and I think a lot of fans are just like oh yeah they're playing the Ravens okay it's not like oh yeah I want to watch that Ravens game you know maybe this is the week we turn around I think everybody's passed this season, the hope of, oh, maybe this is the week the Broncos turn it around. I think everybody's just accepted at this point that this season's basically over, which is a shame in week 13 to really have nothing to play for. John, would you be watching the uh, Broncos right now if you weren't getting paid? Uh, no, I'd be watching the World <laughs> yeah, Cup. <laughs> I, know. I knew the answer to that. You, I didn't even need you to say it, but I just wanted to hear you say it. Uh, yeah, you know, the Broncos, in terms of their fan base, which is a good, passionate market for the NFL, good fan base. Like I, I think the Broncos and the Bears are very similar, right? I, I do. I put them in the same, and they're and they're close to each other in the standings, and they've been in the same boat. Like really good fans, really hopeful fans, waiting for a quarterback, waiting for a quarterback, right? We're waiting for the quarterback to come and rescue us from doom. And the Bears are kind of in the same spot as Denver, where they have the bad record and they're looking ahead to the future, but they have the quarterback, Justin Fields. You mentioned him earlier. And they have all this cap space and draft capital, and they just have everything to look forward to. And meanwhile, here's the Broncos, who thought they had the quarterback, but apparently we don't now. And they don't have the draft capital, and there's nothing in the future. And it's like, how can you blame the fans for being so down? So I don't blame Broncos fans for turning off the game. I don't blame them for walking out of the stadium in a tie game before overtime. And I don't blame them for not wanting to hear us or give a crap about us break down why the Broncos are going to lose to the Ravens. (laughs) <laughs> who John I mean what analysis can we give about this game other than that the Broncos lost to the Jaguars last week and are probably going to be pissed and the uh, Broncos are going to Den uh, to Baltimore I'm sorry which is just not a good spot for Denver especially coming off uh, another just dismal loss where they can't score and it's just like how can we pick them to to beat the Ravens never mind cover an eight and a half point spread so I think yeah. that's the only analysis we have is that the Ravens just gave one up to the Jags that they probably shouldn't have last week. And they're going to, I mean, they're not going to let this one get away. Right, John? I agree. Like lightning's not going to strike twice. If the Jaguars hadn't upset the Ravens, even though the Broncos are a mess, I might be like, well, you never know. Maybe they'll upset them. But the right, the Ravens are going to be so ticked off after last week. They're not going to let that happen again. They're not going to let two bad teams beat them back to back, especially now this week playing at home in Baltimore. So you, I can't pick the Broncos to win this game. You know, I, I'm not even going to pick them to cover eight points. Eight points is kind of big, 
but I, I can't back them to do that because the offense has been so incompetent. So, like like you said, there's not really a lot to say. The Ravens are favorites for a reason. They're eight-point favorites for a reason, and it, it's not surprising, and that's about what we expect to happen. It's got to the point, John, where we got some news about the Broncos getting flexed out of a primetime spot. I want to steal your I don't want to steal your thunder. Go ahead and tell us about that. Yeah, it's just the Broncos, they were going to play the Chiefs on Sunday night football in week 14. And usually the NFL loves every chance it can get to get Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in primetime slot. But the Broncos are so bad that the NFL flex the Broncos. They, they flex Patrick Mahomes out of primetime just so NFL fans don't have to watch the Broncos on Sunday night football. So that And a lot of times, like if it's like the Dallas Cowboys – the NFL loves to have the Dallas Cowboys oh, on yeah. national television. Even if they're playing a bad team or even if the Cowboys are bad, they still do it because of the Cowboys. And like Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, like it's the same thing. Like even if the matchup isn't great, you still put them on TV because people are going to watch. But the Broncos are so bad that they were willing to cut Patrick Mahomes out of prime time. So that that's just another reflection of how awful the season has been. And we're really ending this podcast on a nice note. Oh, Ryan. yeah. Well, that's where we're at, John. Yeah. And why are they flexing the Broncos out and, and the Chiefs out? Because Russell Wilson, as you shared uh, some of your favorite tweets, John, Russell Wilson has more bathrooms at his Cherry Hills home, 12, than touchdown passes, eight this season. There is a kid who, as a joke, started doing this. Like uh, It was like a, a race to see when Russell Wilson would catch uh, have more touchdowns, I'm sorry, than his, than his bathrooms. And he, he keeps making these videos every week. Do you, do you know the account, John? I've seen it on Twitter a few times. I don't, I don't think I follow this kid, but he's making these videos every single week that he's doing the countdown. Will Russell Wilson finally have more touchdown passes than bathrooms in his home? Uh, no, no. The, every week it's a no because he's only got eight pa- touchdown passes. It's, we're past Thanksgiving. He only has eight touchdown passes. Holy crap. Yeah. Carson Wentz has 10. Who Carson Wentz blows. He got benched by the Washington Commanders uh, for Tyler Heineke. Well, he got hurt, and yeah. then he oh, got yeah. benched right. while hurt. Right, right. Yeah, he, he got hurt. I know. I have Carson Wentz on my dynasty team, so I know exactly what happened to Wentz, John. Yeah, he is <laughs> annoying. Fine, just bench him. I don't care. I have Mike White now as my third-string quarterback, whatever. But yeah, Carson Wentz has more touchdown passes than Russell Wilson, and Wentz hasn't played since week six. So that's why they're flexing this game out of prime time, right? It's, it's that bad. Uh, so yeah, John, um, how do we end this podcast on a better note? Okay. I'm not going to have you pick the Broncos Ravens game. That's what, Oh, did you have something to say? Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, and it fits into fitting the podcast on a better note. Now that the NFL took Patrick Mahomes off of prime time, now that the Broncos and Ravens is just going to be a random afternoon game. It's probably now going to be an awesome game. And, you know, maybe the Broncos don't win, but it'll probably be competitive and entertaining. And the NFL is probably going to be, Oh man, I wish we had that on Sunday night football. So Maybe that's something to look forward to. Yeah, I was going to have you pick the USA Netherlands game. That's how I was gonna, that's how I was going to have you end oh, the show I, instead of the Broncos. My head, I don't care what my head says. My heart says the Broncos or the Broncos. The U.S. <laughs> can beat the Netherlands, so I'm I'm just rooting for it, hoping for it. I they can beat them. Like my head on paper, maybe they shouldn't, maybe they won't, but they can. And so that's just all the hope I need. It's not a unovercomable matchup like if they advance to play Argentina like in theory anything can happen but you you would not have a lot of confidence the Netherlands are a team they can beat so I'm optimistic about it that's on Saturday at I think it's like eight o'clock mountain time okay there it is so uh that's John Heath of the Broncos Wire our Twitter handles are in the description of this podcast so if you want to talk football with John hit him up on Twitter and ask him questions about the USA uh, soccer team because we know you don't care about the Broncos right now or, or at least nothing positive about the Broncos right now. 
and that's where we're at. So, uh, John, I'm guessing on Broncos Wire, just previewing this ball game until kickoff. Is that basically where we're at? Yep, it's the the usual, the TV maps, the injury reports, all that good stuff coming up. And then on on Sunday, we'll get the game coverage of the game. And, you know, hopefully the Broncos will give us, you know, it's always at least entertaining. Like the Broncos are a mess, but Mike Purcell, he gave us something to yes. talk about. You yeah, know, there's always, so content. there's always something going on with the Broncos. So we'll be all over whatever's happening with the team. 100%. The show goes on. So make sure you're checking out John Heath and the crew on the Broncos Wire. Always great stuff on there. For John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us as always this week. We really appreciate you guys hanging on the podcast with us, especially this long. And uh, we'll be back next week to break down Broncos Ravens. Looking forward to it. Talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.